0: Please remain standing, if you would. And as Chris comes to lead us in our scripture reading this morning, I do want to uh, thank so many volunteers in this past week who have been working on putting up all of our Christmas decorations all around the church. Uh, Also, I want to thank Morgan and Sharon as well for the beautiful music this morning. Our scripture this morning comes out of the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, and then verses 23 through 25. Chris is here to read our scripture this morning. Luke 5, or Luke 1, 5 through 7. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. And then in verse 23, when Zachariah's time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown me his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me? O Lord, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and make it be for us the word of life that we might be people of life. And now, God, hide me behind the shadows of your cross that your message of grace might shine through for the redemption of the world through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Do you remember layaway? Now, if you are under the age of 50, there is a very good chance this you've never probably never heard of uh, layaway. And this is a, a foreign concept to you. Well, so the the, the idea of lay, layaway was this. If you couldn't afford to pay for something at a store, they would set it aside for you and you would make payments on it and then and then you would be able to go pick it up from the store once you had fully paid for it. Layaway was quite controversial whenever it first arose on the scene in the, during the Great Depression of the 1930s. It was very controversial. If you wanted something, you needed to wait until you could pay for it before and, and afford it before you bought it was the mindset in the nineteen thirties and nineteen forties. And and layaway continued to be a thing until until the early nineteen eighties. And do you know what killed layaway? Credit cards. Credit cards killed killed Layaway with layaway, with layaway, you had to wait until the item was paid for before you took it home. But with credit cards, oh oh things were different. You didn't have to wait to take it home. You could take it, you could take it home. You could take the item home before it was paid for. In fact, you could enjoy something for years while still pain for it. Lay layaway seems like such an archaic way of doing things because in today's time, if you want something, if you want something, you get it. If you have a whim, you act on it. No need to wait on, well, well really thing. <laughs> anything. You don't need to wait on on anything. Self-discipline and patience and waiting. These are the these aren't the words of our culture instantaneous results are what we expect today if our computer takes more than just a few moments to boot up we go and get a new computer if if uh, if if our hulu or netflix or amazon streaming services are a little bit slow or a little bit glitchy we uh, we lose incre- we lose interest or we increase the speed of our of our internet if we don't get it if we don't get what we want when we want it we throw a fit and i suggest that we are we are the 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 least self-disciplined the least patient culture in the history of the world in the history of the world but then but then covid happened in the midst of this in the midst of this uh, least self-disciplined, least patient culture in the history of the world, COVID happened and our waiting in the beginning of this pandemic was, went a few weeks and then a few months and then now nine months into our culture and our society being locked down and we are losing our everlasting loving minds. We are losing our minds. Depression and anxiety, despair... Hopelessness seemed to have permeated all of our lives, partly because we are being forced to be self-disciplined. partly because we are being forced to be patient, partly, I believe, because we are being forced to wait. We are being forced to wait. Today is the first Sunday of advent, a season of expectant waiting. Advent begins the new year of the church calendar with the four Sundays before before Christmas Day. Traditionally, Advent is a season in which we wait on the coming of Christ. In in our most traditional and um, in our most liturgical churches, they wait to put up Christmas decorations or singing Christmas songs until Christmas Day in order to highlight the waiting part the waiting part of this Advent season. But as you can see, clearly see here at First Church, we don't wait. We put up our Christmas trees. We, put, we go ahead and, and sing our Christmas carols. And most of us, most of us, we put up Christmas trees in our homes even weeks before Thanksgiving, weeks before we would ever do it on another on any other year because we wanted a little extra holiday cheer but the fact remains the fact remains that patient that patient waiting is an important part of keeping advent did you get that patient waiting is an important part of keeping advent and i believe it is an important part of our own spiritual lives that we must all we must all begin to embrace. Old and young alike. Young adults, hear hear me today. This culture of instantaneous gratification is, is absolutely destroying our souls moment by moment by moment. It absolutely is. This culture of, of always making sure that we get what we want immediately is destroying our souls. Patient waiting is a part of Advent. Today we're starting, the, again, a series during this Advent, Ad, Advent season and we're, gonna be, and we're focusing on the hidden characters of this story the hidden characters of this nar- birth narrative. There are, there are, I mean, there are the main characters. There's Mary, and there are the angels, and there are the shepherds, and, and Jesus himself. But then there are these hidden characters that, are, that we tend to ignore, that are in the background just a little bit. But I believe they have some very, very important messages uh, to share with us and to teach us. And so today, we're specifically looking at Elizabeth. We're specifically looking at Elizabeth. Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron, which means she was born in the line of priests, and thus she had a noble past. In fact, Elizabeth's Elizabeth's name is very, very similar to Aaron's wife's name, which was Elisheba, Elisheba. But Elizabeth had no future. Although she had a royal past, she had no future because she had no child. For a priest, for a priest, even more than almost anyone else, childlessness was a profound disgrace and called the and called the priest's piety into doubt in a culture where sons were a sign of God's favor. And so when a family did not have children, it cast doubt upon their piety. Surely they have sinned and God has cursed them with no children. That was the thought in that culture. Certainly that is not our thought today. It was always the woman's fault that there were no children in uh, in the marriage. And so we are told that they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. She was known as the one who brought disgrace upon Zechariah. But even, but even though they were shamed in the world's eyes, Luke stresses that they were pious. They were holy. They kept all of the commands and all of the laws of God that we find in the Old Testament. Their, their lives were a perpetual paradox. They had done everything that they were supposed to do, everything that was commanded by God, and still God had not blessed them in the way that any faithful Jew ha- would have expected. Did you get that? Because I think likely most of us, if not all of us, could relate to some degree. They had done everything they knew to do do right. They had kept all of the laws. They had kept all of the commandments. They were holy. They were righteous. They went to church. They probably even served on a church committee. And they did all those things right. But, but, they had not been blessed with the way that they had expected to be blessed and it's a it's a paradox. It's a paradox. Why are why are good people not always blessed by God? Why do why do bad things happen to good people? It's it's a paradox that we all that we all have to struggle with and it's a paradox that was in Elizabeth and Zechariah's life. We can guess we can guess that Elizabeth had once lived with a great hope of having a child, particularly as a young woman. Again, this was the great hope of, of every young Jewish woman hope that was gnawed away each month, again, as, as she, each, each month, for year after year after year, when she discovered that she was not pregnant hope that gave way to anxiety and then panic as she grew older, and finally it was, it, was, it was shattered when she faced the reality that she would never have a child. Ever. Every time her husband came home from a from performing a circumcision, every time there was a family gathering and all of their relatives brought children and grandchildren, every time she, always an aunt but never a mother, cared for a neighbor's child, the grief must have been there. Always present. A product not of a, not of a devastating single event like a death, but a, but a slow process of attrition of hope over many, many years. Very very often that's how, that's how hopelessness comes about us, doesn't it? It's just a whittling away of our hope year after year after year. Things that we've been praying for, family members that we think God is going to answer our prayer and they're going to come back home. Only our hopes are dashed at every family gathering when they don't come. Every birthday when they don't call. Hopes are dashed when, when, those, when, those, when those things that we have so been yearning for, they don't come to fruition. We know that we've done everything possible, yet still, those prayers seem to go unanswered. It was already It was already the most important day in Zechariah's life. This was an important day in Zechariah's life. A, A priest could go years without pulling temple duty. There were that many priests in Jerusalem. And so it was only on rare occasions that a priest, oftentimes only once in their entire lives, would they be called to Jerusalem to serve in the temple but Zechariah was was about to have a dream dream come true not only was his name been drawn for temple duty he was in he was assigned to offer incense to offer incense which was a once-in-a-lifetime privilege when a priest offered incense he was just outside the veil the veil into the holy of holies he was in that inner sanctuary so very close to the holy of holy, holies, where the shekinah glory of God dwelt, only on one day of the year, on the day of Atonement, did the high priest get closer than than Zachariah got to the holy of holies on that day. This was a th- this was a life life changing day in in his life. A Jewish tradition described a priest who gets to offer the incense as rich and holy for the rest of his life. What a day. What a day. Zechariah had been trained for this possibility for much of his life. And he was carefully going through the assigned steps. He had carefully planned his exact steps. He had carefully planned exactly what he was to say, when he was to to say it, what he was to do when he was in that room offering incense. But then, then he was interrupted by the angel Gabriel. Can can you see this old man, this old shaky man standing there with a censer in his mouth? In in his hand and his and his mouth hanging open when the angel of the Lord appeared before him, but the angel said to him, "Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you." And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the side of the Lord. Gabriel goes on to tell Zechariah that his son would go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to make ready, to make ready, a Lord, for, uh, uh, to make ready for the Lord, uh, and prepare the people for the coming Messiah. <laughs> what, what a message! What a message the angel had for Zachariah. Now, now I wonder, I wonder when the last time Zachariah had prayed for his wife to get pregnant. My guess is that it had been a long, long time. A long time. Years ago, in expectation, when they were newly married, certainly, certainly he would have been praying that prayer. And then with desperate hope and perhaps bargaining with God when year after year after year Elizabeth was, did, get, did not get pregnant. And, and then finally when she, shifted, when she shifted past middle age and it, it physically was no longer possible for her to get pregnant. At that point, presumably, he had, he had given up praying for a son. At that point, he very, I mean, more than likely, in fact, assuredly, he no longer prayed that his wife would get pregnant. But Gabriel said, your prayer has been answered. It's almost as if, it's almost as if time, time doesn't matter to God. God's going to answer prayer in God's time, not in our God calls us to patiently wait upon him. God calls us to to patiently wait upon him. So the angel appears to Zechariah. You would have thought that that would have been enough. But no, Zechariah wondered what in the world, what in the world all of, uh, all of this might mean? And, and, he, and really, in essence, he asked for a sign. If this is really what the Lord wants, if this is not just a figment of my imagination, because I'm so excited to be in, uh, offering incense, give me some sort of sign." And so the angel, Gabriel said, "From now until your son is born, you will not be able to speak." A word. And from that moment, from that moment, he was not able to speak a a word. The the people outside, the other priests, wondered what in the world had happened to Zachariah. It was taking him far too long to begin to to light those those that, that incense there in that inner sanctuary of the temple. They wondered what in the world went on. And certainly when he came out unable to speak, they knew that something had gone on. And so he came home, tried to speak, but was unable to speak to his wife. And through, through either sign language or, or using a chalkboard or somewhere, somewhere, some other way, he was able to write out exactly what the Lord had told him and Elizabeth. Elizabeth, it says that Elizabeth immediately, Elizabeth immediately basically went into hiding and she kept it to herself. I mean, what in the world was the rest of the community going to say? She is an old woman. Indeed, it would, would have been a miracle. But my guess is she had no, she had no way of, of, of really even being able to, to untangle this in her mind. And it was six months later that she heard a knock at her door. Six months later, she heard a knock at her door. Obviously, this was well before the mail service came along. Obviously, well before text messaging so uh, an, an unexpected knock on the door was not necessarily unexpected. It was a relatively common occurrence because you never knew who was going to be coming to visit you. And the knock on the door was her, was her cousin or her niece, depending on, on which translation you use. It was a family member, this young family member, Mary. Mary had traveled from her home in Nazareth. She had traveled 80 miles on foot, 80 miles that's a, long, that's a long way. It's from here, downtown Oklahoma City, all the way out to Clinton, Oklahoma. And this was not an easy trip for a young 13-year-old girl. This young 13-year-old girl, by the way, she too had just been visited by an angel, and the angel told her that she was about to have a child, and this child that, she was, that, that was conceived in her was from the Holy Spirit, and this child... This child was the very the very son of the Most High. There's a lot of questions about why in the world Mary would take that seven or eight day journey. Why in the world would she risk life and limb? She had to go over two mountain ranges. She had to go down one of the most dangerous roads in all of the ancient Near East, full of thieves and robbers. This was a dangerous, dangerous trip for a 13-year-old girl, Why in the world would she go to see her cousin or Aunt Elizabeth? More than likely. More than than likely, she just needed someone who could who would understand. The angel angel told Mary that, that Elizabeth was also pregnant. And so Mary had nowhere to turn. She couldn't tell her fiance Joseph at that point for she knew that he would divorce her she couldn't tell her parents she couldn't tell the other people in her village they would all have shunned her literally they would have thrown her out of the village and they would have had every right to stone her to death because she was going to be having a, a, a child out of wedlock so she needed someone someone who would understand so she made that seven or eight day journey that very very difficult journey to go down and to find to find her family member, her family member. So Elizabeth's response, Elizabeth responds to Mary in verse 42, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Elizabeth, saying to Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Our Catholic sisters and brothers know this as the beginning of the Hail Mary that they pray so often what mary and elizabeth both needed was again someone who could help them find perspective their waiting was over elizabeth's waiting for years and years and decades for a son it was it was over that waiting was over Mary and her seven day, seven or eight day journey, being able to tell, finally tell someone that she too was expecting that waiting was over. The Jews, the Jews waiting for over 400 years for the Lord to speak to them, their waiting was over. The, 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 very, the very entire universe, the waiting was over because the salvation of the Lord had come upon them. Blessed are you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Three times in these very few verses, three times Elizabeth uses the word blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Most of the time we think to be blessed by God means that, we are, that, we're, that we're given money and prestige and power. But Mary wasn't blessed like that. Mary wasn't blessed like that. In the Bible, oftentimes, blessings don't seem like blessings. They seem like curses. In the Bible, blessings often, they don't seem like blessings at all. They seem like curses. It It was Elizabeth who helped Mary see that this miraculous pregnancy was a blessing. And I suspect Mary helped Elizabeth do the same. Commentator William Barclay calls it a paradox of blessings. Blessings often feel like challenges. Abraham was was blessed by God when God uprooted him. Didn't tell him where to go, but told him to go. God... God's blessings upon, upon the Hebrew people when they were wandering through the wilderness, they didn't seem like blessings going to the promised land at all. Luke's sermon on the, on the plain or the sermon on the mount said, blessed are the poor and the hungry and the thirsty and when people revile you and hate you, you are blessed. Those don't feel like blessings to me. God will, God will use Even this, even this, even this which seems like a curse, even this that seems like it's full of hopelessness and despair with no answers inside, no end inside, God will use even this for something good. Sometimes we just simply have to hold on with white knuckles, just hold on, waiting Waiting for the very blessings of God. Faith is the belief that God will use even this. Faith is the belief that God will even use this unplanned pregnancy in Elizabeth's life in her old age. God will use even this, an unplanned unplanned pregnancy in a teenager's life. To bring about the glory of God. God will use even this. A pandemic that has, that has deconstructed all of our lives. God will use even this. When we think. When we think that we have been cursed by God. Know this. I think that we have been blessed by God. Because God is going to use the worst day. And he's going to turn it around And it's going to be the best day. You've heard me say it before. And I say it on Easter. And I think today is so appropriate to say it again. God will never let the worst day be the last day. That's not how God works. God will never let the worst day be the last day. Because resurrection is coming. Christ is coming Advent will be over, and the coming Christ will be in our midst. So hear me, dear friends. Do we have more days and weeks and months of this pandemic? Oh, oh, no doubt. Is there going to continue to be hopelessness and despair and pain and death and disease? No doubt. But I know this. God will turn things that seem to be curses into blessings. He does it time and time and time again in the lives of those in the Bible, and he does it time and time and time again in your life and in my life. Would you bow with me? Oh, Lord, in this season, when it seems like there is, there's no end in sight, Although we hear rumors of vaccines and an end to this pandemic, after nine months, after going through already holiday after holiday, not being able to be with our family members, not being able to celebrate like we want to be able to, not even being able to to worship like we want to be able to. And now in this season of waiting, you are calling us To continue in our waiting. There is something deeply, spiritually nourishing when we we come to wait patiently for You, O Lord. So we patiently wait. We patiently wait. And we have faith that those things that seem to be blessings, O Lord, You are going to turn them those things that seem to be curses, oh Lord, you're going to turn them into blessings. And we're going to see how how you have been working in our lives, in the life of our church, in the lives of our loved ones for the very good, not only of us, for the very good of the world. Come, Lord Jesus, come into our lives. Come and place your blessings upon us. Come and place your peace and hope upon us on this day. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.